this mason jar cocktail shaker cap that I uh-huh. bought. Yes. It's not working great. It's leaking. Did it used to work better or is it yeah, just... Yeah. Like when I first got it, I was like, this is the best thing I've ever bought. This is genius invention. It turns any regular mouth mason jar into a cocktail shaker. You shake and then you take off the little cap and then you pour. It's perfect. But now I have to put a towel over the cap to make sure it doesn't leak everywhere when I shake it. So I'm very disappointed not the best $7.99 I ever spent. I can't believe some just little object that you spent $8 on isn't like a long-term lasting thing. (sighs) Well, sometimes you find things. I mean, like, I thought it was a real find. And I still believe in the concept. Hi, I'm Maya Grants. And I'm Rebecca Cohen. And this is The Sauce, the culture and politics podcast where we drink cocktails and ruin the stuff you love. In this episode, we're going to ruin 2022. We are, and we're going to ruin 2022 by talking about the stuff that was really important that we totally missed. If you can imagine, all the talking we do all year long, we still <laughs> didn't get to some topics. Some topics topics we did get to, but then we made yeah. technical errors. So Yeah, for various reasons. Yeah, very important reasons. You listeners did not get to hear our takes on certain things that happened this past year. And this year has felt not as terrible as 2020, but this year has felt so bizarrely long that you might not even realize that some of the things we're talking about happened this past calendar year. year. Right, right. <laughs> to be clear, this we're going to talk about some of the stuff that we didn't get a chance to talk about this past year. We're going to talk a little bit about the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. Remember that, folks? That was oh, God. That was a million years ago. That was ago. everything. That was a million years ago. We're going to talk about the past and actually current right-wing insane governors like busing migrants to places because that's a whole thing because we really need to talk about that. And we're going to talk about the January 6th committee. Which has just come to the end of its labors. God bless them. And just blow them a big, fat, wet kiss before they uh, all lose their seats, which God, so many of them did. We're going to get into all of that very soon, but first we've got to check in. Happy New Year, Maya. Happy New Year. Thank you. In this lovely early January, new 2023 fresh start, how are you doing and what are you drinking? I'm very busy because I'm preparing for a museum show that opens in four weeks and I have a lot to do and I have not had the time to do it and LAUSD has this like atrocious three-week-long winter break, which I I don't know how I'm going to get through the next four weeks. I really don't. But I am drinking. Uh, I finally cracked (laughs) open. That's a good way to start getting through the next four weeks. Uh, I'm drinking. I finally cracked open this bottle of pomegranate molasses that I bought for making cocktails with uh, months ago. And I made a drink that I found on the interwebs called a short rib. And I'm about to take my first sip of it right now. It's tequila. It's pomegranate molasses. And let's see how it is. Wait, yeah. is it just tequila and pomegranate molasses? No, it's also simple syrup and lime. Okay. All right, guys. Here we go. Oh, that is really good. Oh, great. That is I love it. Really, really good. Wow. Mm. Okay. You'll have to post the recipe on I the will. sauce speakeasy or Discord I will. channel. And how are you doing and what are you drinking in this fabulous new 2023? I am doing fine. I'm doing great. It's really strange coming out of the holiday season. Transitions like this are always difficult for me, like going from not working 
and everything being like we talked about in our Hallmark holiday movie episode a couple weeks ago. We talked about how it's like a portal to a different time. Everything slows down and nothing's really happening, right? That's the holidays. And then like New Year's happens and then it's like, okay, back to work. Everything's back to normal. And I'm like, wait, no, I wait, can't huh? do that. <laughs> I can't adjust. I still have a whole fruit cake in my refrigerator. Um, I do literally. My mother-in-law makes these fruit cakes that are so dense. I thought it was still frozen for like three days. I'm like, this can't still be frozen. It's not frozen. It's just that heavy. Oh it's my just god, so dense. I mean, but isn't that like that's what fruit cake is supposed to be? And I'm like, yes. what is that about? Because it lasts forever. It's just from a time before refrigeration. I think when so. you needed to like pack a lot of calories into something that could last for like seven months exactly you just the yeah. thing is it's not even that much bread or cake to it it's mostly dried fruit and uh i was eating some last night and i found an entire date pit like a whole <laughs> date pit in the cake <laughs> don't tell my mother-in-law she'd be mortified but um yeah. Also, like I had a slice for lunch and that was it. I was like full. I couldn't eat my dinner. Like Whoa. kept me full. Whoa. Well, what are you washing it down with? Great question. So tonight I am having a <laughs> Dama Blanca. Ooh. It's a white lady with tequila instead of gin. It looks very frothy. Yes. Because it has egg white, which you know I love in a cocktail. It's uh, tequila... A little triple sec, lemon juice, and egg white. Oh, so it's just a frothy margarita. Kind of, yeah. It, it also could be looked at that way, sort of a frothy margarita. Well, happy 2023. Yes, chink, Let's, chink. Okay, we have really amazing feedback about White Lotus. We have amazing feedback about Hanukkah on rye, but we just can't get into it right now because we have a lot to talk about. So we're going to... We, we we must talk about it. It just cannot be today. All right. That is a promise. We will get to some of your awesome feedback listeners. Amazing. Yeah. We had really great stuff on the Discord about both episodes and stuff to respond to. But there is no way we're going to be able to talk about all this stuff in this episode and keep it in a reasonable amount of time. So let's let's give ourselves the best chance and just like jump in. But before we do jump in, I do want to thank our Discord members, all of our patrons for supporting us in 2022 and moving on to 2023. Um, we love you. We feel so grateful for you. I really feel like we have the best and smartest listeners in the whole world. And I appreciate you guys so much. And this year, give us things to ruin. Tell us what you want. What are the problematic faves? We, we can't wait to hear from you. And if you want to join our Patreon, patreon.com slash sauce podcast at any level you can join the sauce speakeasy and uh we look forward to seeing you guys soon okay it's 2023 which okay first of all i just want to say i don't know why to me 2023 feels like a really sci-fi year you know why why? Because the movie Zardoz takes place in 2023. I knew there was a reason. I knew it had to be something. I couldn't put my finger on it because I'm like, I know Blade Runner is like 2019. We're past that. I am so excited about this. I'm actually trying to figure out if I can if I can like program a Zardoz screening, like a big, you know, get a print of it. And Shit. like, I wish I'd realized that because then I would have encouraged all my friends to do a Zardoz themed New Year's Eve party. But yeah, it feels like more of a sci-fi year than 2022 or 2021. And yet here we are, the flying car still not a thing. The thigh-high boots are a thing. Yeah. Not so much on men. Not as much on men and just wearing a red Speedo and bandoliers not happening yet. I mean, yet. it is you know, the only year is January very young. 2nd. <laughs> it is young year. <laughs> It's still very dark, very early. Yeah. Let's make Zardoz happen. Zardoz 2023. But before we launch into the rest of 2023, we wanted to take this opportunity to look back on 2022. And instead of just sort of rounding up a list, you know, I, I kind of wanted to do like hot sauce and weak sauce awards for 2022. 
But we realized in discussing all of the big stories of the past year that there were a few we never even really got to. At least we never posted any conversation about that are relevant to our interests. Yes, yes, (laughs) of course. Big stories stories that are relevant to our interests. Particularly interesting to us. Well, before we get to the big stories that we want to talk about um, as we assess this past year, I do want to briefly say to our listeners, it is true. There are a bunch of movies and TV shows we did not watch and did not talk about. I am sorry. Maybe we'll get to it. I don't know. I didn't watch Nope, which I know that I have to watch. I really want to see that. Don't worry, darling. Tar, which we've had requests to ruin. Blonde, which we've had the request to ruin. The Whale, which is, you know, morally repugnant, but I hear has some great performances. Uh, (laughs) I didn't watch a bunch of Marvel movies. It is all true. We did not do it. Yeah, we have not moved forward on our project of having you watch all the Marvel movies. We're like, we're way behind on that at this Can point. Just, and they just keep making just, more. You're falling I know, further I'm and so, further behind. God. And with Don't Worry Darling, there's the added thing, which I can't believe we never talked about, which is the controversy around the movie because it's all about a woman director and the hot young boy toy she was fucking, who she left Ted Lasso for, and all of this stuff revealing that an actor who's obsessed with playing this unbelievably likable, good, and not fucked up character is just a fucked up guy. Man, yeah. It's unbelievable. Who would have predicted that somebody that invested in performing that kind of a man is nothing <laughs> like that man? Um, also, Maya, you didn't watch Stranger Things. Oh my Which god! Like I didn't a watch big Stranger Things. Pop culture story of the year and a show that I'm kind of obsessed with. We didn't watch Yellow Jackets, which we've gotten multiple requests for, and I think particularly for ladies of our generation, is oh, actually really? a really key thing that we kind of totally need to watch. All right, we've got a list going on. Yeah, we we just want to lay that out there. We apologize for missing out on so many things. We know you want to hear our thoughts. <sighs> I mean, I I was talking to Guy about Tar, and he was like, you have to watch Tar. And I was like, what is it streaming on? And he's like, I don't think it's streaming. I was like, oh, I have to go to a theater (laughs) to see it. Like, sorry. I didn't see everything everywhere. Like, I've seen so few movies this past year. I know. Well, guys, we'll try to do better this year. Keep telling us things that you need us to break down. We will do our best. We will try to do better. If I could just get through this show, I, I, I actually just want to spend two months just reading books and watching movies. I'm like, all right. So Mai's oh looking God. for your recommendations I'm for waiting. stuff I'm waiting. a month from now. She'll a be ready. From now. I'm, I'm not even fielding recommendations before then. In the meantime, let's talk about some of the events from this past year. I'm going to put us on a timer because right. each of these topics we could easily make an entire episode out of. Some of them we, in fact, did, uh, <laughs> but it, it nev- they never saw the light of day. So uh, in the interest of trying to keep us on track, I'm putting on a timer for 15 minutes. Our first topic is Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. So let's start. The timer has begun with a quick summary of what actually was going on for those who maybe forgot or never really were following the case that closely. Well, what's going on is that Johnny Depp was suing his ex-wife, Amber Heard, they are both actors, Thank you for defamation. He's suing her for defamation based on an essay she wrote for the Washington Post about being an abuse survivor where she never even mentioned his fucking name. Also, He had actually lost in the UK because he'd sued a tabloid for calling him a wife beater, and he couldn't prove that he was not a wife beater. And this case used all of that same evidence, and yet somehow uh, he won for defamation. He won. Now, the standards for defamation are very different in England, and a lot of um, US celebrities will sue in England because of that because it's much easier to prove defamation there although in this case he was unable to prove defamation there which must mean something um he couldn't prove he wasn't a wife beater 
But uh, according to the U.S. jury, uh, she could not prove that he was, basically. Well, no, but that's not what was being asked. What was being asked is that, I mean, she had to prove he was a wife beater, but also I've read the article, the original article. Mm -hmm. All she says is, as a survivor of abuse, like that's it. Yeah. That's the phrase. That's the line. Yeah. That is the line that she got sued for millions of dollars for defamation over. Yeah. Unbelievable. And so, as you noted, the evidence being the same, the jury is coming to different conclusions. A lot of what it seems to have come down to is her credibility. Depp's whole case here was to paint her as not believable, not credible. Kind of basically like a crazy bitch. She's a crazy bitch. She's a psycho. She just wants to ruin my career. She wants to ruin my career and ruin my life. Me, Johnny Depp, Captain Jack Sparrow, fucking Edward Scissorhands, you all love me. It's if I if I cut her it was accidental because it was for my art. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And he was using what is known as DARVO, which mm. is D, deny responsibility, A, attack you, and R, V, O, reverse the role of victim and offender. Uh-huh. Uh, she's not the victim. I'm the victim. I'm the victim. I'm not the offender. She's the offender. And this is something that we're seeing a lot of right now. Mm -hmm. You made me hit you. You know, like this is right. this no, is what she, we're seeing. Right she, now. She's crazy, violent, volatile, throwing things. 30 years older than me, a multi-million dollar movie star. She's just all of those things. Um, but apparently it worked. Yeah. And the jury found that they did not like Amber Heard. They did not find her to be believable they 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 thought she was full of shit i guess mm -hmm. um you posted this great quote here um the jury found her to be either inauthentic overacting or not mm -hmm. deserving of empathy i don't know who that quote is from but it's from a lawyer who was talking about the feedback from the jury afterwards i see I see. A lot of Heard's emotional cues on the witness stand didn't line up with her testimony. She would get very impassioned at weird times or make awkward attempts to connect with the jury by speaking to them directly. It sounds kind of like she's just not a good actress. Well, I mean, I never thought so. But also, um, she was just weird. Yes. She's just weird. She was I don't weird. know. She was weird. And to me, it seems when you know that everything that's riding on the line is your likability and credibility. One of the impacts it can often have on, on especially women, and I'm thinking about Hillary Clinton here, mm. is that you're working so hard to be what people want of you. Right. That they don't end up trusting you because they don't feel like you're being authentic. Right. But when you're authentically you, you're not likable. So exactly. You're exactly. fucked a bit of a way. bind. A it's little a bit. bit of a bind. Yeah. And I think there's a thing going on where Johnny Depp, he's well known for being eccentric. Yes. And that's fine. He can be eccentric. He's an artist. He's a male genius. Uh, even if that means being a little emotionally volatile within his relationship that's just part of he being a male genius yeah whereas for her to exhibit similar behavior or at least similarly strange behavior it doesn't get interpreted the same way um she becomes a crazy lying bitch exactly uh i also think that to me what was so interesting about the trial i mean there's like prurient you know uh parasocial celebrity stuff yes but the thing that was very chilling is that in the same way that we're seeing this really massive and kind of astonishingly swift backlash against the march for black lives um as performed in the educational system and trying to like not have anything in history books that would make white people seem like they've ever done anything bad like not a year after we were having all of these marches 
and businesses being like, so sorry, we fucked up. We, You know, like this huge yeah. movement seems to have happened. And this, the, the swiftness of the backlash and the extremeness of it has been really intense. That is what I'm seeing here with the Me Too movement. This is only one of many cases that are going to be happening where Me Too was this explosion, this like massive spasm of truth telling, of storytelling, this giant, like nobody else is going to listen. The legal system isn't going to listen. Businesses aren't going to listen. My own relationships are going to, I'm going to tell these stories in the world. Right. And Amber Heard, she wrote this thing after a lot of this evidence was out in public. She was so mild about it. She didn't even mention his name. And she ended up with a $10 million defamation judgment. So what I'm seeing is this massive chilling effect on women who might come forward, speak, and just be honest about experiences they had. Um, and there are upcoming lawsuits where Marilyn Manson uh, is suing many of his accusers for defamation. The shitty media man lawsuit between Stephen Elliott and Maura Donegan is dragging on. It's continuing to go. And then there are other kind of lawsuits or or the court of public opinion. We have Brad Pitt having the evidence of his abuse of his ex-wife and children out in public. He's using the same PR people as Johnny Depp. We have Megan the Stallion, who was shot by a rapper named Tory Lanez, and he was just found guilty, but she was subjected to the same onslaught of online, this torrent yeah. of online, she's not believable, fake evidence, just insane. Yeah, that's why the outcome of the Depp Heard trial is is so concerning. Like, just to reiterate and put a point on what you're saying, um, the whole thing of Me Too is that, like, yeah, I don't have any legal recourse. I can't prove this. I can't um, get any real justice for this externally, but I can speak my truth. I can tell you what happened to me. And lawsuits like this are saying, no, you can't. You actually legally can't say what happened to you unless you are able to prove it. You can't even speak it unless you are able to prove it as you would in a trial in a court of law. But also a big thing out of this Depp Hurt trial is the way that um, Depp's team used the court of public opinion. And that's what it was all about. Because to be clear, Johnny Depp doesn't need $10 million and was never interested in he the actual might, money. He might. He the might. The way that okay. he, I mean, that's part of what they were showing is that he's such an addict and he's so nuts that he's just like blown through hundreds yeah, of millions of dollars. It. Yeah. It's happened before. But it seemed to be that the real motive here was to preserve his career, mm -hmm. which is his future money-making opportunities, by preserving his reputation. And part of that was his team. Uh, you noted that his lawyer was actually kicked out of the trial for leaking information to the press and to social media, not actual court documents, but video recordings, audio recordings, I guess other material, uh, witness testimony that wasn't actual court material, that wasn't part of the trial. That wasn't necessarily admissible as court material because it was possibly manipulated. Right, right. And that was released and it did manipulate public opinion and who knows, potentially even jury opinion. And uh, I mean, I just recall seeing online when one of those audio tapes was, or maybe it was a video, but it was released and like there was this huge flurry of activity among, you know, the whole manosphere. Everything from, you know, gamer gators to incels and all of their friends in between uh, saying, look, he was the victim. He was the victim. You, you hear this audio where she's threatening him. She's the abuser. And like that narrative really stuck both among those types who have a real investment 
in that being the narrative and just like I don't know hardcore Johnny Depp fans and it turned into first of all like really vitriolic really vicious harassment of Amber Heard herself but also after the trial during and after you would see uh someone come forward make an accusation publicly and you'd see on social media people calling that woman Amber Heard or changing her name to be, you know, whatever her name is, heard, it, as a way of saying she's a lying, crazy bitch who's really the abuser. That just became immediate code for that. And it's interesting because part of it is for his future potential career, whatever. I don't know how much it's going to help because a lot of, and this was something they were also trying to show in the trial, a lot of why people don't hire him is because he is an alcoholic addict, like, very hard person to work with. Like he's he's done a lot of it to himself. But what somebody was saying about Stephen Elliott, that he's legally sadistic. Men are using the courts to harass anybody who might speak against them. And I feel like that's the other thing that is so terrifying about this moment. That was one of the things about the, the you know, in, in my ongoing love of cults, uh, the Nexium cult stuff is that they would just use all their unlimited resources and, and just money to just destroy people in the legal system with cases that it didn't matter that they didn't have evidence. They right, knew right. the things they were accusing them of weren't true. But, but just it, just bringing the case. It, just to make you them go bankrupt. Just to just to make they them. Don't. Yeah. Yeah, and I that feel can like be enough. that's what we're seeing here. And it's the same lawyers doing these trials. It's the same PR firms representing these people. And it's terrifying. And it makes you realize, I think there was this moment during Me Too when a lot of women felt a lot of shame for not speaking. And I think this is a legal moment where we're like, yeah, well, there's a reason why for so many years people are like, well, I can't say anything. Like... That wasn't just because you're a coward. <laughs> it's right. because there are systems that are there to keep you from speaking. Maya, we finished that segment with 13 seconds to go on the timer. Fuck yes! yes. Set that timer, we bitch! On a roll. I'm going to start the timer again. Uh, uh, uh. I'm going to reset it. And we're off this time. We're mm. going to talk about something truly depressing. This this could be my weak sauce award for the year. It sounds but like it's so more than weak belittling. sauce. It's too weak sauce of a thing to I say know. about it. It's not. It's like beyond. It's way beyond weak oh, sauce. God. What we're talking about is uh, governors like uh, Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott using asylum-seeking migrant refugees as political props and transporting them to other states and cities. Uh, it's disgusting and inhumane, but it did happen several times this year. So what most people remember is that in September, Ron DeSantis of Florida arranged to send migrants from San Antonio, Texas, to Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts. This got a lot of press. There were 48 migrants, I believe, on two planes. Mm -hmm. And um, they were lied to. Oh yeah, no, who lied to? It, it was a whole thing. There were there were brochures they were given. There was like a facilitator kind of yeah. Mule no, they hired like, this. We hired this particular woman who went around soliciting people who were seeking asylum and telling them we're going to send you north. They're going to have a place for you to stay. There'll be jobs for you. And everyone's like, I'll work. I'll do any work. Do you have work? And she was like, sure, there's going to be work. Gave them a fake fucking brochure that they made up. Like, it's crazy shit. Just like crazily illegal and unethical on every level. Uh, also, can, can I briefly just say something about the whole thing about how it's Martha's Vineyard? Yes. Because this is something. So I, I was an undergrad at Yale. DeSantis was two years behind me. So this is like, oh, and wow. so for for years now, I've been like, but I didn't know any of the baseball players. Who's on the baseball team? I don't know any of the baseball players. So for years, I've been asking any grads, any alums I know, like, do you know anyone on the baseball team? Can we get some information about this dude? 
And one of the things that I learned is that actually DeSantis is from the super blue collar background. And so he went to Yale and then I think Harvard Law and left it being like, fuck these people. And so there's a weird thing about why is he so attached to like Martha's Vineyard? So I have this theory that when he was at Yale, one of these like rich kids would like had a summer home on Martha's Vineyard. And it's just like, (laughs) because there's this thing where you're like, who hurt you, Ron? Like, what is this? about? Like, there's this personal... To be fair, though, Martha's Vineyard looms large in the conservative imaginary. Mm. Like, it is a stand-in. Like, it it symbolizes every kind of Northeastern liberal, like, wealthy liberal thing that they hate. Like, Martha's Vineyard gets mentioned on um, Tucker Carlson all the time he's talked prior to this stunt he talked multiple times about how they should send migrants you know he doesn't call them migrants um send them there and remember like there was the whole thing with like alan dershowitz was upset that he wasn't getting invited to parties on martha's vineyard Martha's vineyard, yeah, yeah, yeah. and i guess uh, the obamas have a home there yes so it it really symbolizes a lot to conservative america in right-wing american symbology mm-hmm. so it's not just ron DeSantis, though i wouldn't be surprised if you, you were right it might be a personal connection what's interesting about this i mean there's many things that are interesting the money to fly the migrants came from this 12 million dollar appropriation in florida's budget um it gave funds to the department of transportation to create a program quote to facilitate the transport of unauthorized aliens from this state now this was in response to, or as a pushback on, the migrants being flown into Florida by the federal government. To be clear, the federal government does not just take migrants, put them on buses or planes, and drop them off in places. They move them from one federal facility to another, which might be in another state. But these are facilities that are under federal jurisdiction. As a pushback against so many folks seeking asylum or in detention or whatever being brought into Florida, their legislature approved this $12 million appropriation. As of August of this past year, 2022, DeSantis said those funds had yet to be used because the additional large groups of migrants that had been expected had failed to materialize. So he couldn't find enough migrants in Florida to use the $12 million. So they concocted this plan to send this woman to San Antonio. They hired a private airline, charter airline with close ties to DeSantis. And that's like a whole story. And um, just dropped these folks off in Martha's Vineyard. The lovely thing was the people of Martha's Vineyard, like, had no idea what to expect. It's the off season. It's like September. Everyone has just left Martha's Vineyard. So it's only the actual locals who like live there year round. And uh, they like jumped up and like were like, I have a blanket. You know, like they really tried well, to help. Well, no, but they also ha- were like, I have an immigration lawyer. <laughs> like, yeah, no, that's true too. Right? That's the like, one thing they did here, have was Have lawyer. some cell phones and an immigration lawyer and let's yeah. get all of this information in addition to like hanging out and here's a soccer ball for the kids to play with and like let's yeah. get you guys some food and something to do. But it's also this thing where descent, they were never going to Florida. So he flew them dr- like there's no yeah no he I mean he, he completely through Florida through Florida so that he could point. right um so this was disgusting and horrifying and horrible but as recently as just like last week Governor Abbott of Texas because he just has to be as shitty and I guess mm-hmm. he's feeling really pumped because he beat um Beto. Uh, sent multiple busloads of of migrants to D.C. and he dropped them off in front of the vice president's residence on Christmas Eve in 18 degree weather. Yeah. On Christmas Eve. Yeah. Like you couldn't. It's like if you were like, how can I be? The worst villain Just in a movie. The most disgusting. Yeah. 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 But here's the I, thing with Abbott is that he actually had been doing that all year. That was not his first stunt. Uh, the thing is, that that one got a lot of coverage 
it being Christmas Eve, being right in front of Kamala Harris's residence in D.C. and all that stuff. The, they created this program in Texas that was running all year and has bust thousands and thousands of migrants. It said uh, in the CNN article I was reading, um, more than 11,000 migrants at least from Texas to three northern Democratic-run cities, Washington, New York, and Chicago. Now, I think most of this we didn't really hear about because a busload of migrants arriving in New York is like a Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. Hi. Welcome. <laughs> That's not really going to make much of a dent. I thought this line was interesting. State agencies have provided conflicting figures for the exact number of migrants that Texas has bust out of state. But the cost, based on what they've spent and the estimates of the number of migrants, is at least... per migrant to transport, which is, I think, a relevant and interesting figure when you think about, like, well, what else could you do with $1,400 per person? Mm -hmm. This is how we're choosing to spend these funds. Um, Are we making a dent in the number of asylum seekers who are in Texas needing help? Could the $1,400, like, I feel like you could hand somebody a wad of cash and that would be great. They would be out of your hair. Yeah, they, they will. I actually think if that. you did that, if you said, "Here's fourteen hundred dollars," could you not live in this state, please? They'd be like, "All right, yeah, good." They'd find a way out, or here's fourteen hundred dollars. Get yourself some food and clothes and shelter. Like fourteen hundred dollars could go pretty far. But that's obviously not the point. They're using state right. taxpayer dollars. Well, that's the other thing. Fourteen hundred dollars per migrant is also money that could be going to public schools and like libraries and like all kinds of stuff that their voters would like. Also, as a side note, um, before the money was allocated in Texas, they tried to get uh, Texas citizens to donate to a program to remove the migrants and they raised like $165,000. So then he was, so then Abbott was like, well, we're going to have to use your tax money. Yeah. 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 Sorry. It wasn't enough. Um, so that's not the goal. They're using state taxpayer dollars to do this performance. Yes. And I think the reason we wanted to talk about it is that it is a very effective performance. And I think we wanted to talk about why it was. Like, yes, it's repugnant. It's morally disgusting. It's a horrible use of taxpayer dollars. It's corrupt. It's probably illegal. They are actually under legal investigation for some of these things. Like, yes. <laughs> like DeSantis personally is under investigation. Right. Um, but in terms of understanding where we are with the right wing right now, it's effective. So I think it's important to consider like why. Yeah. It's interesting to see the reactions from the left wing, from Democrats. People are horrified and they express their horror and disgust at this. But it feels like that's exactly the goal of the stunt. The more we condemn it, the more successful the stunt turns out to have been. Because liberal tears and liberal frustrations are just evidence of how successful the stunt was. Well, I also think there's this way that as politicians, because as uh, we didn't even get to really talk about the midterms, they were predicting this huge red wave that never happened. Mm-hmm. And all of these, we the we kept the Senate, the the Republicans retook the House, but not really by that much. Um, oh, my God. The al- whole thing. Side note with Kevin McCarthy right now. Oh, I mean, it's just hilarious. In my veins, man. I know. Just fucking put it in my veins. But then also, Super entertaining. Lauren Boebert almost lost her seat by like 500 votes. I, I mean, know. and and all of the sort of insurrectionist Biden stole the election. Yeah, the right election wing, deniers. The election denying Secretary of State candidates, they all lost, right? Yes, yes. But where did... Where where was the win? Where was the big red win? DeSantis and Abbott. Yeah. In Florida and Texas. Texas, a state that has been getting increasingly purple. Texas is a matter of time, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so there's this thing where it looks like the governor is doing something. 
These extrajudicial acts look like a strong man doing something. And I think yeah. that that's a huge part of it. There's also this other part of it where the main site of, of sort of right-wing work, labor, mm -hmm. um, since Gamergate has been online and trolling. And there's a way that these moves, I'm sending a bunch of asylum seekers to Martha's Vineyard, is bringing the, the quality of trolling, which happens online because it's anonymous <laughs> and you can say mm -hmm. anything and nobody can track you brings it back to real life, trolling in real life. And I think that's what it is. It's like the strong man doing something and that quality of online trolling with an in-person action that feels very exciting to the base. That is red meat to the base. Agreed. And it has, I think, worked incredibly successfully for these governors, as you pointed out with like the midterm results. And there's a way in which the plight of asylum seekers who are struggling to get by while they wait for their trials and decisions on their asylum petitions and all of that is so removed from the everyday lives of Americans, even those who live in these border states, that they can do this act and it doesn't affect, it only if the only people who suffer here are the migrants, right? The people in Martha's Vineyard, oh, that's the timer. The people of Martha's Vineyard don't suffer, the, or the people in D.C. and New York or wherever are going to be fine. And the people in Texas are not going to notice one way or another. Their lives are not being improved in the slightest. Uh, but they're also removed from that suffering. They don't have to see the folks who they supposedly hate, who are supposedly destroying their state. They don't have to see those folks when they're there. They don't have to see those folks getting lied to. They don't have to see those folks arriving in a strange place and being told you were lied to. But what they do like is seeing brown people punished mm -hmm. for being in the United States. And I think that's the other thing that gets their followers and their base really excited. But also exposing what they perceive as liberal hypocrisy. Because what they really want to prove is that you don't want the brown people either. God, we lived in such a fucked up time, Rebecca. I know, but we do have a hot sauce award to give. We have a <laughs> good thing sauce. from this past year to talk about now. I'm going to start the timer. Some hot culture. Maya, who are we giving our hot sauce award to for 2022? Okay, we recorded this episode twice. Both times we had <laughs> technical difficulties, which meant we couldn't even edit it to post it. By technical difficulties, you mean me. I'm the yeah, technical difficulty. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, Jan the January 6th committee hearings were some must-watch TV, and we can't give the full hour-long episode. We can't record that a third time, but we can <laughs> give it 15 minutes because I thought it was this really amazing way forward. I really did. And it gave me hope as a way forward, which was part of why it was very exciting TV. So I thought we'd just touch All on right. it. Well, let's talk about why the January 6th committee hearings were so great. First of all, as great TV, Maya, you... In our two attempts at recording this episode, had such great things to say about this. Tell us why they were great TV. Well, first of all, you know, I copied a lot of it from James Ponowatch's uh, piece in the New York Times about it, but I thought it was such a brilliant uh, jumping off point. So I really, I really appreciated that piece. I think that the main thing was that because the Republicans refused to participate, the Republicans writ large, the only Republicans who did participate are the couple of Republicans who actually believe that Donald Trump did something monstrous. And that was Adam Kinzinger. Who and, actually believe and are willing to say. Yes, mm -hmm. that's correct. So we had Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney, both of whom lost their House seats for doing it. But OK, fine. Just we'll put that. We're going to talk about that in a second. But. It, they created this alternative reality. The hearings were actually produced by the former head of CBS News to create this, this alternative reality where there are facts 
we all see them no matter what our political backgrounds are, and we all agree we are all seeing the same thing at the same fucking time. And that was extraordinary. That alternative reality was a reality that I can believe in. Yeah, absolutely. Because the Republicans refused to participate, essentially, you didn't have these grandstanding moments where Republican congresspeople get to bloviate about Hunter's laptop or whatever the fuck they want to deflect about. Like, none of that. None of that. Everyone was on the same page. And they were able to build this narrative. They were able to tell a story that went across several episodes and each episode focused, each episode, each hearing. But it was. I feel like you guys go watch it right now or go like put it on in the background or like listening, like listen to it right now. It holds up as TV. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. It's compelling television. They made a point of telling a story, of devoting each hearing to a certain aspect of the day. Like the first one was about like the video and the what happened on the day and the, the harrowing first person testimony of all of that stuff. And then they built a story about Trump and his intention to deny the election results and then what he did after the election and then what he did on the day of January 6th and each each step of the way they looked Ending at it from different angles. with a criminal referral I to the DOJ. I mean, it was beautiful. And each episode, also because it was produced by an actual news producer, it's like they shaped everything in advance so that there wasn't a lot of uh, redundancy. Every episode had very compelling casting amazing witnesses um <laughs> they had true. this really seamless visual and oral storytelling where the one of the congress people would speak and then they would cut to a tape and then they would go back to the witness and then the congress person would speak again back to the witness and then back to some video it was like this live beautiful lecture demonstration performance where they were using the tools of the media all of the tools of the media in this yes. tight scripted way to take us through all of this information. It was amazing. And it it was dramatic, high stakes, involving story, which is like the number one goal, right? You've got to get people involved in the story. Um, it is reality television on a certain level. Uh, Absolutely. For better or worse. Um, but there also was the way that they put together all of this evidence in a coherent way. Some of it was evidence we already knew. It was stuff we had read in various news stories or seen on social media. I have to say that was one of the things I found the most painful is that very little of it was new. And it was like, we all saw this in real time. Right. Jesus right. fucking Christ. But the Christ. power of what they did was to put it all together, yes. not just chronologically, but yes. like to put it together in service of a very specific narrative about Donald Trump having intention, you know, motive and intention and opportunity to commit this crime. Yes. And there's something very gratifying, I have to admit, about seeing all of that evidence put together in that way because there's been so much gaslighting like that is the what the right does now that is what fox news exists for it's all this sort of gaslighting and when it's all laid out for you in this very coherent and thorough way yes and they're yes. able to cut to the video of testimony, cut to the video of live the day of, or, or show on the screen the text message or whatever other piece of evidence. It's all there, put together for you so you can see the reality of what actually happened. With lots happened. of like memeable, tweetable chunks. They were very clearly very aware of that. And there were also all of these moments, I have to briefly say, I cannot let this go by even a third time without <laughs> mentioning Liz Cheney as the strong lead, her, her icy hair, blonde bob. Yes. <laughs> she was unbelievably sort of attractive and persuasive in a way that was a little terrifying because that bitch has voted for everything we hate the whole time she has ever been in public office. She is the daughter of Satan. 
but good lord, does she know how to like speak, man? She is. Yeah, no, she's you know, very polished. In, an, and- in, in another moment, if the Republicans weren't so fucking batshit, she would absolutely be our first woman president. Absolutely, I can't. Right? I can't believe that McCain wouldn't have her as Veep over fucking Palin. But also, there were these juicy moments that I want to mention. Okay, like uh, Josh Hawley who's like, you know, raising his fist towards the protester, running down the hallway like a scared little bitch. Literally running, yeah. Like literally running while you see footage of Nancy Pelosi fucking snapping, snapping into, into a, a slim jam. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like so with no fear, ass. talking yeah. to the vice president, talk like, get yeah. me on the line with the governor of Virginia, like, bitch, H-B-I-C, like, yeah, yeah. man, man. That was good shit. It's true. And those were some of the very, like, shareable moments that made it onto social media. And they, the producers of this affair seemed to be very aware of that, seemed to realize that that they could get good word of mouth that way. And that's important. Because ultimately, I think that that's what this was about. Yes. I mean, yes. It, it may lead to DOJ indictments or, you know, or investigations. I, well, I don't know. I mean, to what? be fair, the DOJ is very busy with Trump right now. There are all of yeah. those documents that he I mean, they're like... already, there's already investigations ongoing and all this stuff. Plenty but, going on. Yeah. my I struggle with things like the January 6th committee because. Even as I enjoy this alternate reality they've created, that's the reality reality. It's like, oh, wow, imagine if we could all just agree that facts are facts and just look yeah. at the facts and be like, this Correct. is what happened because this yeah. is what happened. Yeah. How nice. It's very pleasurable. But the fact that there weren't pro-Trump folks present, the fact that they did so expertly and uh, with so much flair construct a perfect narrative that only makes it appear to those who might already be skeptical of the committee that the committee has an agenda and they're anti-Trump and they're, you know, just going to ignore evidence that doesn't suit the narrative they want, which, I mean, they did. They did actually very much try to focus on a certain narrative not focus on facts and information that didn't help their narrative. Not that there's a lot of exonerating facts there's and information. There's not any no. exonerating facts. But also, I actually thought that they did focus on – the way that they did focus on that was by focusing on, like, witnesses mm-hmm. who, for the most part, were the white witnesses from Trump world. Right. They were Republican really, witnesses. Really fo- – not just on Republican witnesses – Trump world witnesses. Right. Like they really tried to tell their story in as much as they could from the depositions, from the mouths of Ivanka Trump and like yeah. Jared Kushner and his assistants and the people who were in the room with him, for the people who chose to be with him, from the people who were not going to lie and get called for perjury in these depositions. Right. Right. They that was the actually the most elegant move of all is we're going to tell this whole story from the mouths of Trump world. And they really did not use witnesses who were Democrats, who were blue in any way. No. And I think that was a very smart move. Obviously, the pro-Trump side will do what they've always done, which is say, well, this person's lying. She's bitter. She's angry because Trump didn't give her a job or whatever the fuck their reason is. Anyone who says anything bad about Trump ever is a bitter liar, right? Yeah. Yeah, of course. So you know it's not going to like move the needle in that way. So other than being pleasurable to us to watch, my question is, do these hearings, did they move the needle in any meaningful way in politics, in society? It's hard because very sadly, both Republicans who are on the committee, which is Adam Kinzinger of Illinois and Liz Cheney of Montana, or mm-hmm. sorry, of Wyoming, 
sorry, all those states are really whatever, confusing Wyoming, for me. Montana, yeah. Wyoming, Montana, whatever. <laughs> it is hard because they both lost their seats, and so did Elaine Luria of Virginia. Yeah. Um, and and so you feel like what's the what was the point of it all? What, what did we yeah. accomplish? What did we accomplish? I think we accomplished, and maybe this is just because of the venal arrogance of people like DeSantis who want to be the presidential nominee in two years, but I don't think we're going to have a second term of Trump. No, I think that Trump's brand has been damaged yeah. in, in a way that is meaningful. And I, yeah. I think it's the only way he can be defeated, so to speak. It's the only way you're going to be past Trump, done with Trump. Like you're never going to, you're never going to get him through any kind of logical reasoning, facts, information, all that stuff they brought to the table is great, but it, that's not really what makes the difference. What makes a difference is that his brand is damaged. Yes. At best, he looks like a petulant child. Which is back to one moment we didn't mention, one of our best oh, sort of like... One of the most evocative like images, images, even though we didn't see the image, but it was evoked through the description. Was of Trump having like a temper tantrum and throwing a burger against the wall and the ketchup like running down the wall and ketchup this like on the wall. white this white republican <laughs> like right. very pretty young woman Cassidy Hutchinson and them saying like was this the first time this that you'd seen this and she was like the, I mean the timing is like brilliant she's like this beat it was like beat no it was not the first time and you're like <laughs> yeah. oh, okay this is like a tantrum-throwing burger-on-the-wall child. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, that's but also, good. But also an election loser who can't accept that. Uh, that's our time. But, but ultimately, I feel like that's the most damaging thing for Trump. Honestly, like all the crimes and stuff, you know, maybe, fingers crossed, you never know, one of these times it might stick and he might actually get legal consequences. But in terms of public opinion, I think the the worst thing for him is to be perceived as a loser who lost an election. And worse than that, a sore loser. Yeah. A big baby loser. A big sucky baby. With tiny hands. I'm very impressed with us that we basically did each topic in 15 minutes. Oh my God, we've never been that good. I know. Well, I also just, was there any additional, just a little hot sauce that you just want to just give a shout out to before we move on? Hot sauce? Like for the past whole year? Past for year? the whole year, yeah. You're putting me on the spot. I can't think of anything. Do you have something? I feel like we cannot let this year go by without acknowledging the extraordinary greatness that is Beyonce's renaissance. Oh, of course. It is such an extraordinary achievement. And to watch somebody who's basically just a pop star mature into this like very brilliant, conceptually like on it artist, mm -hmm. profoundly satisfying. That was a good shout out. Mm. I, I liked... Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness a lot. All right, there we go. <laughs> Tell me why. Primarily because um, it was directed by Sam Raimi. And oh, God, I love him so much. He brought all of his Sam Raimi to it and then some. There uh, were many horror references and just horror devices and tropes woven throughout it. One of the things I love about Marvel movies at their best is that they have different directors who bring their own style and flair to these different movies like Taika Waititi and the Thor movies. And I was really glad to see that they did that with Sam Raimi. I was also really glad to see that they're going into this whole multiverse saga in this phase and that is very fraught with potential, with narrative killing potential, because when you mm. have multiple universes, then yes. nothing matters. And this movie managed to not do that and not fall into any of those traps. Uh, I just, I thought it was great. It was a lot of fun. Listeners, let us know uh, what you thought were the 
hottest sauce moments and the weakest sauce moments of the year 2022 and what you're looking for. And the most to morally in- repugnant sauce moments. Yes, the most moral. <laughs> yeah, we need a new category. The morally <laughs> repugnant sauce moments and what you're looking forward to in 2023. We want to hear about that as well. Um, you can email us if you like. We are saucepodcast at gmail.com. And of course, you can find us on the various social medias as at Sauce Podcast. And the best way to get in touch with us always is via the, the Patreon. If you join our Patreon at any level, you can come onto the Sauce Speakeasy and we can chat about these topics or anything you want to bring up. Just go to patreon.com slash sauce podcast and you can check out the different membership levels and everything involved. You can find me at Maya Garantz anywhere you're looking for Maya Garantz's. You can find me as at Gynostar on every fucking platform. I really, I have an account everywhere. I can't promise I check them all, but I do have them. (laughs) All right, dear ones, we will see you soon. And starting next week, all 2023, all the time. Happy New Year. Adios, amigas. Adios.